Welcome to another edition of Real Hardball Talk with my man, Ty Harrington. Ty Harrington, lifetime Longhorn and former Texas State head coach, all-time winningest coach at that university. Ty's been around the game a long, long time. And listen, this is what it's all about. You, you've been a part of these types of uh, regionals that we just got a chance to witness. You've been a part of the super regionals and you've also made that trip to Omaha quite a few times. But Ty, let's talk about what we saw last week at the dish. You and I got an opportunity to be out there, hang out, kick it, and be a part of the masses. And I have to say, it felt like we were at a football game uh, <laughs> in the heyday when Vince Young was partying all the time. I mean, it was the most electric time that I've ever witnessed at the University of Texas. And I go to a lot of events at, at UT but the fan support, the people everywhere, it felt like, number one, it felt like we were back to normal. But norm, number two, that's what the dish is supposed to feel like. Man, I, I got to be honest with you. I, if I'd have done a better job of, you know, coaching you out of going to play professional baseball, you would have gotten a chance to, to really, really experience what that place is like inside those walls on that turf and just how loud and how electric and how intense it really gets. But what it does for the players, it doesn't make them uptight. They know as, as they're, cause they're longhorns, they know that they're getting an extra boost and a little more boost of confidence. But what they also sense is what it's doing to the other team is it starts to kind of grind them down. I mean, I, you, you know, I've said it twice this week, Zubia sticks his hand out of the dugout and just kind of gives a couple finger moves to the crowd when that kid was struggling on the mound. And it sounded like thunder was coming down, you know, from everywhere. And it's just a, it's just a beautiful college baseball thing. Look, there's very few that can do that, um, that have that kind of support, those kinds of numbers, 7,000 people. Um, and yeah, there was the added part. We've all been pent up for a little while. Um, and probably people wanted to get out and just scream at whoever it could be. But the reality is Longhorns, we love winning championships and we get all, we get all of them in there in one, in, in one building in there. And it starts getting to be really intense and, and, uh, and a lot of fun and, and intimidating. It is. I mean, I, if you've never played in a hostile, loud, intense situation where you make a mistake, could be one pitch that you throw bad, errant, that really is a big miss. You boot a ball, you strike out on a ball, whatever. If you've never done that in front of 7,000 people that are hollering and screaming at you, it's really hard to get back up and do it again. It truly is. It starts to get in the grill, and it takes a really strong-minded 18- to 21-year-old person to fight that out and to keep your focus on what you've been taught to do. Um, and, and that's why the crowd comes into play. And then there's this, uh, then there's this momentous thing where if you get a hit and you need it, the crowd, you can just feel it just building up, building up, building up was a hitter. You're in there just going, I'm building up, I'm building up now. All of a sudden I got laser focus and what was a, you know, a pretty good swing all of a sudden becomes a wham, you know, I mean, I think if you take Hodo's triple that really kind of split the game, you know, on Sunday, even though I think they were going to win either way, I thought that split the game, that place was unbelievable and then he goes in there and pulls a hand slide back on him and a dummy slide with his hands and then all of a sudden he, the crowd gets even more excited they're like oh look 
we let we learned something about baseball, and that's your yep. I know that's your boy, and so I had to bring that up so you could you know holler it out. I could hear you hollering all the way on from left field. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> that's my dude, man. That dude can play. He got that lineage too, and he understands what it's about because you said it. I mean, when when you've been down on that turf and you know, and, and Hodo obviously growing up here, he knows what Omaha is about. He knows how intense this thing can be, but we'll talk about how well they did. But at the end of it all, you win that regional, that suit, uh, that regional, there was no jumping around. It was handshakes, getting yourself ready for the next one because the job and the task is still in front of you. And yeah. that to me, says so much about the maturity of this team, what they're going through, the mental makeup, the strength that which they are pulling from within to be able to, to focus at the task that's at hand. I mean, it's unreal to me to watch the growth and maturity of this team. It's unreal to me to watch some kids that really are getting what it's about. This is what it's about to be at the University of Texas. This is why you sign your name on the dotted line. That's why I signed my name on the dotted line. That's because right. I wanted to be a part of that. That's because right. like you said, it's amazing when you win. And when you win a lot, everybody want a piece of it. <laughs> the greatest, I think the, only, I think the only thing I've ever come up with that I had a, enormous amount of value is we Longhorns love to win championships and, and we, we love we love to win them because that means nobody else is too and so <laughs> we, we, we we like that and so the look it is what you sign up for uh in all honesty um you know and the 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 non-dogpiling on getting the Omaha started way back um where it became hey this is what we do let's right. treat it that way let's be let's be excited let's hug let's high five but let's realize that, you know, this is, this is what we do. And, uh, and this is what, I'm sorry, this is what this program has done yep. and we'll do again. This bunch is the team, the, the team that we're talking about now, I think has done an unbelievable job representing um, that same mentality, um, that same desire, that same, we're going to win. Uh, that same workload of what it takes to really perform at a high level to win. Um, and then once they get into the game, uh, I just love their, their focus. I mean, I just, I wish I could sit in there at, on the other side and just watch their dugout alone and just watch how glued in and how, how tuned in that whole team is not only to just their teammates, but to the game and what's going on and, and how they do it. And uh, you know, and it's almost going to be like, all right, First walk of the game, you know, here we go. Antico takes his whatever walk of the year, walks three steps, hands his bat to the guy running out there to grab his bat, and then it makes his way to first base like he's done, you know, 70-something, whatever the number is, and it's the enormous <laughs> amount. Right. And and then he and then he steals second base, and then we drag bunt him over, and then we get a base hit or a fly ball, and then all those, all those coach speak. Speak talks you give before the game that they're going to give this all of a sudden everybody's fired up. Then all of a sudden, wham, you're behind two to nothing. Right. And you ain't already, and you ain't already done anything. You know, right. right. You haven't even done anything, you know? No. Yeah. And they just, they get the switch played out early. And, yeah. uh, man, they just, they, they find little ways to cut pieces of away from you. And, and then 
all of a sudden you're, you're, you're in a tough spot and they just, man, they just come at you in so many different ways. And it's hard to, it's hard to explain to everybody. And I know, you know, this, if you take a nine person lineup and it's been basically the nine get same guys, 10 and once in a while an exchange in left field. But if you take the nine lineup and you got to get those guys at 27 outs, 27 outs, you got to go through that lineup and clean them out and hold them to less than, you know, whatever runs it may be. It is really hard. And I got to be honest with you. I don't care which way the wind's blowing. I don't care which way the, you know, what type of surface you're playing on. These guys have figured out how to be the most opportunistic offense there is. They take their walks. They take their hip batsmen. They're willing to drag bunt. They're willing to sacrifice bunt. They're willing to, with the runner on third base and less than two outs, roll a ball into the middle of the field. You'll see guys get off the handle and just, you know, dribble a ball through the middle. All those things, they, they just, they're locked in to do it. They've been trained to do it. And, and now they can perform it and execute it. And, uh, and so it truly has been a lot of fun. And we're going to get to see more of it this weekend. So let me ask you this as a coach, and, and you've talked about this a bunch, you know, the pressure, every pitch that teams present to Texas, every opposing pitcher on the mound, every pitch that they've delivered has been high pressure, high leverage pitching. Yes. And it drains those guys. And, yes. you know, last week, every pitch that they made, whether it was Arizona State, Fairfield, or even uh, the other team that they got a chance to play, it was rough for them. It was really, really high intense. I mean, we talked about it with Dustin McComas. It was, um, Texas had a 1.3 ERA, but they were double digits in every single game. First team to do that. in the, in the playoffs in a long time. And then obviously Notre Dame did it in their, their regional as well. But the fact that every night you have to be on your game when you face the university of Texas and you talked about it, don't matter whether the wind's blowing in, wind's blowing out, they're playing on turf, they're playing on grass. Yeah. You have to make sure that you're on your a game. And, and you know, this Ty, you've been in those locker rooms, you've been in that dugout. Everybody wants to beat the university of Texas. So that adds another pressure point to every team and everybody's not built like that. I don't know if, I don't know if, if uh, USF is going to be able to handle that. I know they're going to come in and they're going to battle and I'm not taking anything away from South Florida because you and I have talked about this game will humble you in a heartbeat. Yes. You can't get too high. You can't be too low. You got to be even kill. And to your point, that's what we've seen from Texas all year. They've been very, very steady. But when you look at what, opposing teams feel when they come in here, that crowd is going to be intense. Every pitch that pitcher is going to make for South Florida, regardless if it's the starter, middle reliever, bullpen, whatever, they are going to have to be on their game from the jump. Yeah. And you, you talked about it too. It was so electric that Saturday night and then Sundays, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, everybody was involved it's going to be even more intense this weekend because everything's sold out already. It's sold out. Right. It's sold out within an hour. <laughs> so for us, it's fun for those players. They get a little tighter. They get a little sweatier. I know South Florida's used to that humidity. It's a little hot right now. They got, they're going to have to get, come in this park ready to go. And I believe that the pitching rotation goes back to normal. 
you know, Ty Madden, Tristan yep. Stevens, and Hanson coming out on or if if necessary if, game. If Sunday. Yeah, if if necessary game. So as an opposing manager, thoughts on how do you approach these guys? I don't want you giving any secrets because they might you be talking like, about how do I approach South Florida or how yeah, am I approaching yeah. Texas? Well, I want you to I want you to approach South Florida. Well, I, I think that uh, well, if I'm approaching South Florida and I'm I'm doing what these guys have been doing all year long. I'm just going to keep doing what we've been doing. I mean, I, again, I, I, you know, never can use the word autopilot because they're college athletics uh, and it's a game of baseball and, it, and, you know, and all of a sudden and it's really slow pace, fast things can happen to, to change the outcomes of games. But if I'm, if I'm Texas, I'm, I'm just going to continue to, to do what I've been doing and what I believe in. I, I do think that these guys are going to throw the ball in there they do have a lot of strikeouts. I think they had over 500 strikeouts. So, I mean, you know, and you, you've talked about earlier year that, you know, Texas struck out a bunch and then back in the Big 12 tournament, you know, they struck out some more again. And so I, I think that, you know, if I'm guarding against something or protecting against something, maybe not as many punch outs when we got runners in third base. But um, I just – I just don't, you know, there's so many different ways that Texas attacks them offensively. And uh, the thing that I think that South Florida has got to be careful of, I think their bullpen is going to be not tired physically as much as emotionally because they pitched under duress for four days. You can say what you want when you're an underdog and you take on Florida at Florida and then you turn around, you take on Miami and then all of a sudden you're, you, you're, on, you're it. Yep. The target grabbed you, and now South Alabama trips you up, and then you got to go back. And so a lot of what they won with was the bullpen that is they're going to be trying to lean on uh, <clears throat> this weekend. Now, I thought they caught a break when the, when the regional was a Saturday regional start instead of a Friday start. I think it would have really been a little more of a challenge for them because do, I do think physically it, it would have been tough for them to bounce back out of that. Um, but, I, you know, I saw some of their arms. They were good. I saw five of them. They were good. Not anything that you're not yet that Texas hasn't seen a hundred times. And so again, for Texas, it's let's go execute our offense. You know, do they throw enough strikes to keep Antico out of there off the base? Do they throw enough strikes to, you know, uh, figure out how to those guys that can really run and steal and do different things. And it will take walks. Can they, you know, take that offense away from them? That's what South Florida's got to have to be able to do. And I know Coach Mole, he's a, he's a really good pitching guy. Not, he and I know each other, but not we're not super close. But I, I do know enough about him. And when you start breathing through their, their, their stats, a four ERA is not anything to write home about at this level, um, truthfully. But the number of strikeouts, you know, 223 walks, something like that, that's not terrible. And uh, that means we're throwing a ball in there. But what he does a really good job of, Michael, and this is going to determine whether they have any chance at all, in my opinion. More times than not in college baseball, we make pitching changes based off now of failure, meaning something bad happened. Or we're late making our change. The hit's already been had. The walk's already been had. Instead of having it planned out ahead of time that once we recognize it, hey, we got through six, he's at 84 pitches, but it's the third time through the lineup. Let's, he doesn't do good his fourth time. Let's get him out. But you got to have a guy coming in that's just as good as what you took out. And that's what they, they've been able to do this last month. If you go in and you look how many relievers they've used starting in the fourth innings, 
in close games, not big run games, fourth, fourth, you know, fourth, fifth inning, up one, up to somewhere, you know, the game hadn't been decided yet. What he does a very strategic job of is getting his bullpen guys in before the damage has been done. So now if you're Texas, you got to go out there and face an arm that you hadn't seen yet. That's pretty good. And, you know, just by the time you kind of get to start rallying, you think you're getting to that guy and you think, man, if they send him out there one more time, we're going to get him. Well, they don't send him out there. They, they got a, they got a bullpen guy going in there, much like professional baseball. And, uh, and so I, I think that's something that, you know, strategy wise, he does a really good job with his pitchers, knowing what their limits are and then moving into the next part of it for him. And so I, I, I think it's commit. Now I will say this in, in the conference that they play in stolen bases are, there's only a handful of teams that run, uh, in the American. And so I'm curious as to what that's going to do. If, if they've got this many strikeouts, are they power? Are they, and I know they've got a handful of arms that are 90 plus arms, but Sometimes when you're that, you're a high leg kick guy. And you also got big breakers. Well, those two combinations are going to let Mike Hard steal a base. So I'm anxious to see if they have to change that a little bit or if they adapt to Texas being able to run. And if they shorten down, does that elevate that fastball, take a little bit more off that breaker? And then all of a sudden, Texas is a better offensive team hitting wise, created just solely out of the phenomenal that they might run. And, and it will run. And right. so I, I think there's a, a, a cat mouse game when you start looking at that. But, you know, if you look at that, you know, teams are hitting 242 against them. It's not terrible. It's not great. I would like to see what that is in the last 20 games, 15 games. I'll see what that is. I would guess I would venture out and say it's probably about 215, 220 something uh, because they played better, you know, late. Um, I think there's a handful of things that, that, that stand out, you know, offensively, Michael, they, you know, there's not a whole lot. They don't, they're not stealing bases. Right. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're on their, their back leg swinging. And that's why I'm curious to see after I saw some of their bat speed, I saw six of their hitters in their lineup. I think they're really going to have a hard time bat speed wise, uh, being able to, to, to hang in there against Texas's arms because when you have average bat speed, then you got to cheat. And right. if you're cheating, if you're cheating, you're chasing breakers. And and it gets tough on you. You can't just sit back there and, and you know, the coach is saying, stay back there and hit it the other way. Yeah, I know, but he just threw 90. Madden just threw 98 right on my handle. And, uh, you know, how, how am I, how am I going to do and what am I going to do? So this is uh, one of those games, coach. This is one of those series that if I'm – uh, South Florida, what I'm doing is I'm changing it. I'm, I know Texas got the glove love. We talked a little bit about that. But the thing about it is if I'm a team coming against these arms, I'm playing a little bit more small ball. I'm doing some hitting and running and I'm trying to manufacture because of what you said. They're, they don't have a lot of guys that can stretch it out. They got a guy that got 12 home runs. They got another guy that's got 11 home runs. But other than that, everybody just kind of does their things and you know, yeah. a couple gap to gap hitters, but at the end of the day, you can't sit back and try to slug with Texas. You can't do it. You don't have the, you don't have the makeup. And as you said, and you've said the entire year, Texas finds a way, no matter the situation to get runs across the plate. They no do. Matter, it's, it's amazing to me. It is. Yeah. It, and you've been doing this a long time. You've been a player, you've been a head coach. It's the damnedest thing because every game, it's something different. Yes. 
And then there's a mixture in there that they're like, okay, this inning, we're going to bunt and run. We're going to steal some bags. We're going to slap it around. Oh, here we go. Oh, you know what? Next inning, let's try to stretch the field out and try to try to hit a couple balls out of the park or hold up. Let's take a bunch of walks and tax their pitching staff to yeah. the point that we get to the back end of their bullpen. And then we start teeing off again. I mean, yeah. it, it, they've, they've had the recipe all year and I, I, you know, hats off to David Pierce, hats off to Tulo, Sean Allen, everybody in that Texas coach on that Texas coaching staff, because you said it, you told us before the season even started, when we first started talking baseball with you, you said, Michael, pretty soon he's going to go with 10 guys, 11 guys, and that's it. We've yeah. already felt through, hey, guys, hey, good COVID year. Get yourself in here. Now yeah. it's like, nah, we're riding with these guys. <laughs> and you can get in that lineup and you can do your thing. And the fact that they show up to the office every day, every yeah. single day, and give you everything that they have, it has been an unbelievable ride. I can't believe that we are at this point already to where we're Texas is hosting a super regional with a chance to get to Omaha and they're two wins away from getting to Omaha. Yeah. How pretty is that? Right. How pretty does that sound? I mean, I, they, you know, I was just thinking about, we've called them opportunistic all year long and now I, you just brought something to mind. I think you, we're going to change their name to their hybrid opportunistic offense. <laughs> we just named their, their offense, a hybrid opportunistic offense. And right. it means every bit of it, right? They've been, they, I will say this, I think in the, in, in the end, you know, how, how far ever this goes, um, you know, they stayed pretty injury free and that is unusual in college baseball and hard to do uh, and knock, knock on wood that, you know, that, yeah, there you go. It, um, but it's part of the game that, you know, people don't understand, you know, that mentality in college baseball, well, next man up. Well, yeah, but that next man up may not be really ready to be next man up and uh, or be good enough to really be next man up. And that's just the way things are. But having said that, when you start looking at South Florida, you know, Roberto Pena has got 73 punch outs and 38 walks and swing miss in there. All right. You got another guy, Riley Hogan, same thing. He's got 12 homers. Um, Lane's got 11 homers. Same thing, high strikeouts, minimal walks. And that's why I think if it played out like it could with these guys, Velo chasing, you know, okay bat speed, with Velo chasing that, throwing a ball on the handle, and then these hard breakers, something's got to give. And as long as you're not, you know, throwing a backup breaker in there on a oh and a guy, you know, jumps one out or a guy really gets in there and dead red, you know, first pitch and, and, and jumps a fastball out on Madden. I, I just, you know, I think he has a chance to go in there and really break their spirit a little bit on, on Saturday and beat them down. Because that's to me, that's what he's done all year long, in my opinion. His record shows six and four, seven, four, whatever it may be. I don't remember now. But what his what he does to you mentality wise. He just, he beats you down. Right. It just is a it's an ass whipping, and yep. you just get in there that that fastball and that breaker fastballs on top of you all night, and so and they don't they don't steal bases. So how do you come up? You know, in the in the sixth, all of a sudden you get a two out walk to Antico, 
well, we know what's going on next. Steal second base, single in the game could be decided. Well, you know, these guys don't have as many guys to do that, you know, opportunity-wise. Um, and so I think that's something that they're going to have to, you know, yeah, maybe hit and run, maybe do some other things. They do get in a scoring situation, you know, move runners over on first, second, for sure, first, second. Uh, try to move them over. But their sacrifice, you know, bunt ratio is not real high either. Right. I mean, so it goes back to what we've talked about before, where I was a little frustrated with Texas at the beginning of the year, the situational baseball. Right. Mm -hmm. I kept saying they have to be able to execute certain things to be a, a true, legit team in Omaha, because now the, the, the margin of error is getting smaller and smaller yes. and smaller. It's starting to shrink a little bit. So you can't. And you said it before and you'll say it again. They don't give away outs anymore. They don't no. just. They, they find a way that if they can get a free pass, they're going to take the free pass. If they can move some guys, they're going to move some guys. But the margin of error is getting smaller. And we talked about this. Texas won on these draws of what they got, right? They, they are fortunate enough that the, the regional that they hosted last week, uh, Fairfield coming in with a 37 and three. You and yeah. I have talked about that over and over again. I thought Arizona State was just okay, too. Yeah, Arizona State was just okay. And then obviously, Texas, I mean, uh, Southern was not, they just was here. And then you look at what's going on now where a team like South Florida comes out of a region where Florida, um, Miami, the traditional powers, and then a team that you covered. Uh, got a chance to see a lot this year, South Alabama. Oh, yeah, you got a chance to scout them, so you kind of knew that they might have a chance, but they they were okay. Yeah, and then South Florida, and again, I'm not taking anything away from South Florida. You have to be here. You called them Cinderella when we were talking to Dustin McComas yeah. um, from Orange Bloods, and and that's kind of true. But at the end of the day, this is there's a reason, as we talked about before, there's a reason why you come to Texas. There's a reason why Texas is the number two seeded team in the country, overall seed. They earned it. They busted yep. their tail to get to this point, regardless of what the naysayers may say. You talked about this before, too. If your team is trending in the right direction and it is a player-led team, and we've heard David Pierce talk about this. Their business decisions in which they are handling it has been outstanding. Yeah. 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 You can't say enough about it. And a lot of it is done by really young kids, too. Right. There's a lot of, I mean, I just have been overwhelmed by their baseball maturity this year. Um, and, you know, you got 19, whether they're true freshmen or co most of them are COVID freshmen. And, I, I just th – their baseball maturity has just been through the roof. And um, I'm, I know that it was set up by the coaches, but also by the seniors and the older kids who who want to who wanna carry on this tradition and, and they do want to get to Omaha. You know, they probably remember the 19 season and, you know, there's some other things that they've been motivated by. And, and now they, they see – they see the finish line. You know, they were looking for it working towards it. Now they can kind of just see it a little bit. They're coming around the final quarter of the track and they can start to see it a little bit. And I, but they, their business approach to everything in the dugout, their workouts, I'm sure which I, I'm not privy to watch them, but I can only, I can't imagine, you know, you know, and I know 
I, I bet Coach Pierce talked to him a hundred times a day about just staying with the process of what we've been doing. Let's just keep doing what we've been doing. Let's don't let the prize get ahead of the process. Let, let's just let's keep doing what we've been doing. And I bet they did. I would have loved to go out there and watch practice. And he probably picked on them a little bit about a couple of base running things or something just to get their attention and just to, to, to make sure they're in the right spot. And then somebody missed a bunk coverage or something. You know, now everybody, but they, they, trending is right. The only thing, the only thing that stands in the way is, is college baseball every once in a while. That's the only thing that can get in the way. The game is, is goofy and the game is different sometimes, but uh, I think, I think South Florida really has got a challenge above their head right now that um, some things are really going to have to fall their way to, to make this happen. Can it? Yes, it can. It's college baseball. I have seen it. I've been a part of it. I felt it, tasted it. Hated it, loved it, got kicked by it, <laughs> tripped by it, slugged by it. You name it, everything that, that is that, that is college baseball. And, that you know, and that can happen. But, boy, howdy, after watching last weekend, that was – and, again, I thought the regional guys' teams were just okay. It does not matter. Texas right. played like we are the best. Exactly. And we are going to beat you down. And they beat them down and they ran the bases at will. Yep. They had great at bats at will. They played great defense, maybe one or two blunders early in game one, just because it happens and it's baseball. But my goodness, every facet of the game I thought was pretty good. And I, again, I think top it all off. If you're running Nixon and Cantonia out there on a championship game of a regional tournament, just to get them work, <laughs> get out of town yeah get out of yeah. are you kidding me get out of town that's just pretty to get them some good, work. that's pretty doggone good man that that is that is quite impressive that you didn't bring your, your 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 bullpen that has been so steady for you all year you didn't even have to use your setup man to your closer until the championship game just to get them work. <laughs> get and out of town, that. man. Yeah, yeah. That's when you almost got your arms crossed as a coach and you're just like, hey, this is fun. Yeah. Now, this, now, this, now this, this right here is fun. And and, and, and before we get out of here. That beer, I'm, makes that I'm, beer I'm, taste a little bit better, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's right. You know, and, and, and before we get out of here, how about, how about the idea that we, you and I bumped into each other by sheer accident out, <laughs> out in the left field lounge area and how entertaining and excited was everybody out there and, and just a, a special tailgate moment and, and Casey and them have done such an unbelievable job for so long, making yep. that a special place. Right. Yep. And, uh, and we, I just think it was so much fun getting out there and talking to people and, and their excitement for what was going on was, was contagious. And, uh, you know, and again, it might've been a beer or two drink out there, who knows, but, um, and then last, but I'm going to say this, it's going to leave me in the last thing for me because you brought this up earlier. So coach Mole's first wife had, had passed away from cancer. And, uh, and so he is a, uh, his raised money, his awareness for cancer. Uh, it was a rare cancer. And uh, I appreciate as you do anybody that takes any time in their life um, to help all of us battle this horrible disease. And, uh, and it is a very horrible disease. And when I get a chance to, to, you know, have a visit with him, whenever that may be next week, next month, and it'll give me a chance to say something to him and how much I personally and others appreciate what he has been through, but also what he tries to do to, to help others through this. And uh, I know you said earlier it was 
you know, it was cancer awareness. You know, I, I just, we got to get this, this is a horrible disease, Michael. And somehow, some way in our lifetime, and we've got to try to do the best we can for all of us to talk about, you know, how do you prevent colon cancer? How do you, how do you get out and get checked even at early ages? And I know you're, you've got a story yourself and something yep. that you need to, to, to cover, but I'm going to say this. If you know who Van Halen is, yes. And if you know who George Strait is, that means your ass is old enough to go get a colonoscopy. <laughs> so you need to, you need, you need to, you know, you know, you need to get ready. Or if you know who Michael Jackson is, and you need to get ready. And it ain't that hard. It's not that Austin Gastro's guys over here do. Doctor Becker and them do a super great job. And get your butt over there, literally. Get your butt over there, and uh, and and let them get them. You know, let them get in and look around because the only the you know really true way of preventing colon cancer, colorectal cancer is early detection. And uh, and so I, I appreciate you giving that moment to talk about it. But I know it's it's dear to your heart as well. Absolutely. You know, um, as Ty was talking about, this is June is um, Men's Health Awareness Month. And and I, I've, I've said it before and I've said it numerous times. As men, we think the doctor is a bad situation. No, they're there for a reason. We are not invincible. We need to make sure that we go and, and get ourselves checked because we're not only doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for our family because there's so many people that are affected by our daily lives um, and what we do. You know, Ty, you've gone through your battle and you're continuing to keep the good fight going and making sure that you're around for your girls. I, I, I'm doing the exact same thing for my family. I went through prostate cancer and it was not a fun process. And, and it's still, you know, still in the back of my mind every single day. And now I'm dealing with my father who is going through a, very, very similar situation. And, and it's a scary deal, but like you talked to me before Ty and you and I have had very candid conversations. We talk about, you want to know, because if you don't, you can't do anything about it. Right. And, and, and if you don't go get yourself checked, man, um, I would strongly encourage you to do so. And ladies, you too, make sure you go get checked and encourage your men to go get checked, your brothers, your your sons, your nephews, make sure that they stay on top of their health because it's a very, very important situation. And, and again, I don't think we talk about it enough and and there's so many other ways and, and the, the health care industry has gotten so much better. The medicine has gotten better. Yep. And back in the day, yeah, you're right. You might not have been able to go and have this good fight but now they are working hard to try to find a cure for all types of cancer. And if they catch it early enough, early detection saves you even more time. So yeah. don't be afraid. And to Ty's point, if you know who Van Halen is, <laughs> yeah, you old enough to know that you need. You old enough to know what's coming your way. Hey, worst case scenario is you spend, you know, an hour on the, on a crapper Get things out of you need to get out anyway, and you start looking around in there, and you might find stuff you didn't know that you ate, and then you need to get cleaned out anyway, right? Exactly. There's a lot of that stuff that needs to be cleaned out anyway. So go ahead. It might start you down. Heck, it might even make me lose some of this belly I got. You know what I'm saying? I know. How about this? Last but not least, we got to go. Uh, today, I'm going to see you this afternoon again, and and uh, I'm going to go out there and watch David Denny, an old teammate of mine, and uh, take Barbers Hill to the state championship for the first time. And 
and uh, I know Coach Alanese also, or a UT guy, brought yep. Sinton in as well, and and uh, certainly applaud to them and excited for them. But I'm gonna see you at the Dell Diamond where nobody does it better. Exactly. And uh, we're gonna get out there and watch some more. But it is a baseball weekend. I'm Bro, telling I, you, right? I have to tell you this, and and I think you have done a lot for me in this part of it too. I mean, we go way back. We've been friends for a long time, ever since recruiting me. But at the end of the day you have re-energized me in the game of baseball. I, I you know, you, you always talk about it, it loves you and it hates you and you get <laughs> up with you and then you get back with it and it still treats you bad sometimes. Yeah. And, and honestly, Ty, I'm so thankful for you because, because of you, I have been more engaged with the baseball game. I've been seeing it. I've always been around it. I've always right. been there. But now my energy is totally different. So I appreciate you doing this with me every week. We're going to continue this, hopefully, all the way to Omaha and then some. And then we'll talk about some football. We'll have some other people on as we continue to do this. But I am truly thankful that you are strongly passionate about this game. And I know how much you love the game. But before we go, Coach, we got to talk about two things. Number one, I'm ready. coaches that are being – hired at some of these places. We knew about Lance Berkman. We knew yep. that uh, there was a possibility of a couple other coaches that were going to make it uh, behind the scenes. We talked about Jose Cruz Jr. getting that Rice job has finally been officially announced. It seems like Arizona State is about to announce Willie Bloomquist, former major leaguer, former player yep. for them. TCU is looking for a head coach because uh, Slosnagel finally took the job at Texas A&M and my buddies are like, man, it's amazing how quick money changes your mind when you say, uh, TCU, this is the only place I want to be. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the next week you're at Texas A&M. So that job is going to be opened up and we still don't know about the story that's going to happen with LSU. Um, yeah. the, the, the sentimental favorite, as I told you, I was like, I do not want them in the Texas, in the Austin region, because that sentimental favorite is going to continue to play hard for their coach because he's on his way out. But yep. a story came out today that coach, former Oregon State coach, Pat Casey. Pat Casey, is in the mix for that job. So he's good. Quick, quick thoughts on all the changes. And should we be looking for Ty Harrington's name to be in the hat somewhere? No. So here. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you've been talking to my agent, haven't you? Exactly. I'm going to stay on your agent. You're talking to my agent. <laughs> I think that let's back to start from the top, go backwards. Uh, Pat Casey's a really great baseball coach. Uh, we went out there years ago and played them. He knows how to win. Obviously, you don't win national championship in Oregon State for crying out loud in baseball. Are you kidding me? And uh, so that tells you his pedigree is above most everybody else's when you're doing that. Um so if it, and his name is being mentioned, I do think that would be a, a safe hire for LSU, a guy who has won national titles, uh, a guy who knows how to, to compete at a high level and has a chance to put together a staff that would allow that to continue to happen. So it wouldn't surprise me, you know, whether Bianco would go back home or not. He's comfortable at Ole Miss. Um, would he go back home to LSU? You know, Mike is a uh, Mike's a really well thought out person, a uh, very calculated person. Uh, so he knows what that means to him, but he also knows what, you know, where he sits with the, with the organization at Ole Miss that he's at. Keep Mergen back. Berkman, 
Couldn't be happier for that guy. That guy's going to love – he's going to make such a great impact on so many people and coaching. I, I truly the believe Puma, that. Puma, baby, the big Puma. Man, I, I'm telling you, man, the Puma can do some – he is one of the most entertaining people I've ever been around in my life to sit around and have a candid conversation with, no doubt. There's no fluff. There's right. no fluffing stuff when it when it gets right down to, to Berkman. The, the next one for, you know, uh, Jose Cruz Jr., you know, when you bring pro guys in – you need to, you've got to do a great job of surrounding them with college guys because the college guys are going to be able to tell you what you can, can't do. This is what this atmosphere is like. This is where you got to go. This is what you got to do. So it's important for Jose Cruz, somebody, and I'm sure he has, somebody's got to put that guy in a situation where he surrounds himself with three assistants, two full-time and a volunteer that are all college guys that know the recruiting process because you've got a issue you got to turn around and that's good players. You got to get some better players in there and you got to understand that is a very calculated um, recruiting process at Rice. It's different than other places. And so he's got to find some people that are familiar with it, know it, and study it, get in there and get it done and get better players. So, so he can go do what he does. And that's teach the game of baseball to better talented players. Right. The next thing, and, and going back to Jim, I spoke to him yesterday uh, when he took the AM job. I think when you get right down to it, the, the a new challenge. I, I just, you know, I mean, 15, yeah. Yeah, you know, 20 years, 15 years. And I just think a new challenge, a new breath. It's a state institution. It's the SEC. Yep. So if everybody wants to be truthful, it, it's the premier conference in the NCAA. And and so I just think that he wanted to go in there and, 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 and find out where he stepped in a great baseball town in College Station, a great baseball atmosphere in College Station, a great state to recruit in the great state of Texas. And it's the only school in the state of Texas that offers an opportunity to be in the SEC. So I think he saw all that. I'm sure money had something to do with it as well, too. You know, you know, I mean, Jim's made enough money. He's He'll be fine the rest of his life. I just think he want, really wanted a, a new experience and a new challenge. He, he'd done that. Is that the right word? I've done that. Bam. I, I need to go do this now, right? I want to go challenge myself with this. And, uh, and I think he'll do an unbelievable job. I, I haven't I completely heard the staff he's going to put together yet, um, but he'll do an unbelievable job there, too. I, I did see a picture of him today in his A&M uh, jersey, and I went, whoa, I go, whoa, time out. <laughs> time out. And I'm sure there were some people back in Frogland that were throwing darts at it, but the reality <laughs> was that it, it looked a little – it certainly looked a little bit different on him. And uh, but I, and last but not least, because you brought up something super funny, you, go, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm here for life, you know, Money's not, you know, how money can change all their tunes. One of these days, somebody's going to interview a guy and he's going to go, so, you know, are you happy to stay here? You got, you know, he's got, yeah, I'm happy to be here today. But really, if next year, if, if uh, you know, uh, whoever, you know, comes around and offers me $1.8 million or $2 million, I'm going to love them a little bit more. I just want to be honest with everybody. <laughs> Tell you where I'm at right now. But I'm loving it right here. I'm loving it today, right here, right? <laughs> <That is laughs> Look, so all those cool. guys, all those guys got to take care of the families. Everybody's yeah. got to go do their thing and their and their staff's family. But in Jim's sake, truthfully, really, I, I think it was a new challenge more than anything else. I truly yeah. do. I think the money was will be what it is, but I, I think it was just the idea of uh, of doing something different, a new challenge. And then at some point in time. I, you know, after being married before, I got to figure out how to get Tadlock's lifetime contract figured out. And so I got I, somewhere along the way, I got to sit down with him and, and we got to get all this figured out.
Yeah, because <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what the hell a lifetime contract is. And, and that's uh, whenever you decide you want to leave, I guess, is the way that it goes. Yes, I do. I do. I do. Don't last as long as they I'm don't last as long as they used to. No, and then, and then <laughs> last but not least, since it's morning, I got to tell you, I'm really proud of you. Number one, you look great in this beautiful green shirt you got working. You look professional this morning, but I'm really, really proud of you that I did, you don't have a Miller Lite standing in front of you at, at 8 o'clock in the morning. I just want you to know that I would have thought, even though they're great sponsors of yours, I even think they would have been like, hey, Mike, not at 8 o'clock in the morning. Let's, let's keep it on. How they don't know I'm on vacation, man. That's <laughs> oh, that's right. oh, that's right. I don't, have, I don't have the drop behind me this time. That's right. I didn't, you know, you're always right. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. So, anyway, hey, I look forward to seeing the Dell Diamond this afternoon. I appreciate you, Coach, and as always, man, keep doing what you're doing. You're blowing up all over the place, and maybe someday you will invite me to some parties with you because you're at everything. Uh, you have a standing <laughs> invite anywhere I am. You know that, my man. That's my man, Ty Harrington. Thanks again for listening to another edition of Real Hardball Talk with my man, Ty Harrington. And as, and as always, my dog just told us. My dog just told on us. Cue. Yeah, exactly. Right on cue. Don't believe everything you see because even salt looks like sugar. Peace.